This is Registry, a podcast from Office Supply Publishing and Klaus Gunpoint. A film that's on the registry that I think deserves more attention is one of the real cornerstones of the American avant-garde film movement. And that is The Life and Death of 9413, a Hollywood Extra. And what's impressive about this film isn't just that it's one of the very earliest avant-garde American films that's telling a story. And it's also not that the technical aspects where they did miniature sets and pretty much made most of the movie that wasn't people uh, shooting miniatures on a kitchen table. It's not even that its budget was something like 60 bucks. But it's that as a document, it documents an incredibly old story at a time when that story wasn't widely known. The film basically tells the story of 9413, a nameless Hollywood extra who comes to Hollywood to become a star. And he has a couple of friends, one of whom becomes a movie star, another of whom uh, is becomes an ingenue, and, of course, spoilers, uh, in the end he dies. Unknown. And ascends to heaven in one of the most iconically beautiful scenes in American cinematography. Apparently shot miniature of these figures were probably like two or three inches tall. But what's interesting is that we see as we go along this story that is amazingly familiar at least to us today. Uh, Our extra first comes to Hollywood and gets the number 9413 written on his forehead. The star gets literally a star put on his forehead, and then he puts on masks. Sort of exaggerated face masks. And what the story it's telling is, well, it's the same as things like the music video for Welcome to the Jungle, or uh, Tom Petty's Into the Great Wide Open. It's... distant boy comes to Hollywood to become a star and ends up eaten by the system and dead. It's a true Hollywood story. But what's beautiful about it is that all the work that was done completely outside of any studio resulted in this magnificent, just fascinating film. Now it's from the 1920s and it got a debut and it played all over the place and it's now in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art. But why I think it's sort of overlooked, and the directors went on to do amazing montages. Robert Flory did a lot of good stuff. Uh, But what happened in American avant-garde film, almost all of it was a reaction to this movie. And you see that in in a lot of the mainstream films where montage was a big part in editing and multi-exposure and so forth and all that was a big part of this movie. 
And while that had certainly been done in mainstream films, it was not a regular thing. Certainly not to the level that they used it in this little 10-minute film. If you look at another film that I believe is on uh, the register, uh, The Fall of the House of Usher, you see a lot of the echoes of what was being done, and that's only like a year or two later. But there are lots of parallels, and it's sort of the formation of the American avant-garde film language that started with this film, and with other ones like The Fall of the House of Usher, Telltale Heart. Poe was a very big influence on avant-garde. And by the time you get to the 1960s, avant-garde has to write new rules. And there are a whole bunch of films that we'll talk about later that do that. 